welcome to the Tim Biscuit podcast. We've got a new guest today, and that is Caroline Farrow. Thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. So, um, thanks for taking the time out on a Sunday night to come on to the podcast and that. Um, so, tell us from the start what happened and how it escalated to what it is, and explain to the like listeners. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay, so um, for about eight years now, I have been a journalist and a commentator and broadcaster, um, and I, I'm quite niche, okay, so I wasn't really a very well-known name. I'm, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Roman Catholic, and I do Catholic journalism, and I write mainly for the Catholic press in the UK and in the US. And because, uh, you know, the, the BBC and Sky and ITV, they don't have any more... Um, dedicated uh, religious correspondence and so whenever they want somebody to talk about Catholicism or you know and there's always stuff about Catholicism that that loads of people don't like and I'm not going to sit and uh, proselytize here but you know Catholic Church teaches a lot of stuff that people find quite difficult so whenever they've wanted uh, a comment they've always kind of gone to me because you know, I'm media trained. I don't know if you've seen me in, on the television. You know, I, I, I come across quite well. I have uh, done, yeah. I've done the research with like <laughs> Piers Morgan and um, you've done one with Sky. Yeah, yeah. Well. So, um, you know, so, and the reason that, that, that they like me and that uh, I was originally media trained was because there weren't that very many people doing doing this. And, you know, the Catholic Church wanted just ordinary looking people. They didn't want uh, priests and bishops to go on because, you know, they can sometimes look a bit boring and a bit dry. So I thought, yeah, let's get the, you know, the laity to do it. So as a result of that, I've kind of I've always had like a little dedicated group of trolls always mm-hmm. you know because there are always people you know haters gonna hate so there's always people who are not gonna like what you've got to say um but some of them have got really really obsessive really obsessive um and and they've kind of made it their life's mission to kind of shut me down and, and it, I always find this really bemusing because I just think every time you kind of shut me down or try and shut me down you're telling me that my opinions matter and are important you know whereas you know I see all kinds of stuff on the internet and if it annoys me I just you know block it and move on and don't look at it you know life's too short um and so a cu- about six months ago so the current class <laughs> you know is so this is about me being arrested for uh, well I wasn't arrested in the end for misgendering yeah so, was this um, was the Susie Green of um Mermaid yeah, that's right. So a couple of months ago, in fact, about six months ago now, I went on uh, Good Morning Britain with um, Piers and Susanna to talk about Girl Guides. And they wanted my point of view from the point of view of a, of a mum. I've got five kids who won't let their children join guides because of the guides policy on trans issues. And um, my eldest daughter had been in Rainbows and Brownies and my other ones have been begging me to join brownies and I was on the point of relenting and then uh, a friend of mine uh, Helen Watts she was uh, in all the newspapers she was she was a girl guide and she was made to leave because she raised safeguarding concerns about girl guides uh, transgender policy and that is that if you are a trans girl i.e. a boy who identifies as a girl you know you're a male body and yeah. you've got a, <laughs> a penis basically <laughs> um, then you're you're just treated as though you're a girl so you're allowed to share washing facilities and lose and when you go overnight on a camping trip you get to share a tent with the girls and parents uh it's been decreed are not to know about this so if as a parent of a a teenage girl you, you 
you'd want to know if she was going to be sleeping in a tent with boys. Um, and um, the, the girl guides have said, no, no, that's fine. They feel like they're girls, so that's all right. They feel like uh, the girls. They feel as though they're girls. It doesn't matter if they've got a male body. And um, it will be really nice to, to, if that were the case. But the thing is, we know that teenage boys can get teenage girls pregnant. And, you know, normally uh, in school trips, there are safeguarding issues. And, you know, boys and girls, you know, they get separated, they get separate dorms. And it seems to me, and it seems to lots of parents, that, that there is an issue here that anyone can say, well, really, I identify as a girl, you know, in order to get access to the girls' spaces. And Mermaids and Susie Green were getting really cross about this and saying, oh, you're painting um, trans girls as sex predators. And I said, no, no, I'm not actually. But do you know what I mean? You can just see a situation where you've got a boy and a girl sharing a tent. It doesn't matter if the boy identifies as a girl and, you know, you know what teenagers are like and they get a bit huggy and, you know, things can happen. Yeah. Things things can happen. Um, and so, yeah, lots of parents have felt uncomfortable about this. And, and as well, you know, one of my daughters is a teenager and I, I talked to her about the whole trans thing and she said that she would feel really uncomfortable kind of getting changed and getting undressed uh, in front of a boy and I said well what if he identified as a girl and she said it doesn't matter you know it's not that I don't feel sorry for them but I would just feel uncomfortable about it you know it just doesn't feel right and this is like kind of natural kids boundaries um, and so I went on the show and I explained this and Susie Green wasn't having any of it it was just you know trans girls girls and, and she just refused to accept that there was any physical difference between the two I did see that interview and she was very standoffish with you she was, yeah, yeah, and, and she she just was sort of like not having it, and then later on, um, I discovered that you see one of the things that that Susie Green does in her advocacy, and I know, and I'm kind of similar in that I talk about my children a lot, but I don't necessarily what what Susie Green did. So she had a, a son called Jack, and. Uh, Jack was the youngest person in the world to have sex reassignment surgery. So Susie took uh, Jack to Thailand on his 16th birthday and he had the sex reassignment surgery. She had to take him to Thailand to do it because it was illegal in the UK. Uh, and Thailand were so uh, outraged by what happened, they then made it illegal for under 18s as well. And she had had her child uh, both on puberty blockers uh, at the age of 11 or 12 and then on cross-sex hormones, you know, so that they sort of mimicked the, yeah. the grew breasts and all the rest of it, uh, from the age of 13. Now, in the UK, you can't go on cross-sex hormones until you're 16. But Susie Green very much uses her child to advocate that for everybody else. She has a why wait policy. Um, and what we're learning now is that, you know, puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones, we don't know what the long-term effects are. They're marketed as safe. They're marketed, mar puberty blockers are marketed as reversible. But we don't know that. We really don't know that. Because never before in human history have we tried to stop puberty from happening naturally. Because yeah. it's a natural bodily process, why you know? So, um, and Susie Green has also been going around uh, arrest, you know, setting the police on people who point out that actually what she did to her son, <laughs> who's now a woman, <laughs> she and you know, and, and I'm not laughing at transgender people. It, it just sort of no. highlights the whole absurdity of the thing. So, 
she um you know sex reassignment surgery is mega 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 so you know you you remove the testicles and the kind of penis is turned inside out um and it, it is really major surgery um and because he had been on puberty blockers he didn't have a very you know susie green was did this tv documentary i mean this is the thing she has used her, her child to, to make all these documentaries and splashed him across the media um and she was seen on television laughing that because of the kind of medication that she had given the child that he had a micro penis so it wasn't there wasn't enough material to work with making the operation a lot more risky and they had to use stuff from the colon and so a lot of parents are quite outraged by by this you know doing this to a 16 year old because it's so there's such major surgery and there's the issue of at the age of 16 can you really consent can you really know what it means to be a member of the opposite sex how, how can you make that decision particularly when as well you know all, all the drugs and the surgery it renders you infertile it puts you on a lifetime of, of medication um and it reduces your massively reduces and changes your libido it ruins your sex life because you're on yeah, so much definitely. hormones you know so a lot of people feel really uncomfortable about this um and so i tweeted at susie green and said you know something like just because well, i wasn't even at her i tweeted about her and i said just because susie green you know she had her son castrated at the age of 16 uh, and i described it as mutilation which is something i believe it to be and i think if you, you get the di dictionary definition of what mutilation is it's sort of permanently disfiguring removing a body part now i know for adults they don't think of it as that way they're thinking of that it's changing their bodies to how they should be but, yeah, but for adults to think for themselves i mean like as as when you quite rightly say it's 16 could you really make your own decision to say mm. if you're female or male that's right so i i felt very strongly about this and i didn't even tweet at susie Grant green i tweeted about her right. and um i have a cleaner on my account which deletes everything after two weeks and so uh, this was in October, and then suddenly in March I got a phone call from Surrey Police saying we need to have a chat about some tweets that were sent. And I was like, right, okay. And I, I then really panicked because uh, they left a message and I couldn't get back to them for a few hours. And they basically said to me, uh, following an interview you had with Susie Green, you misgendered her child, and now we need to call you in uh, for an interview under caution that's going to be tape recorded. I was like, what? And I said, you know, hang on, misgendering is not illegal. Uh, uh, you know, and I, I said, what what crime am I supposed to have committed? And she said, the, the Malicious Communications Act. So I went through the sort of provisos of the Malicious Communications mm -hmm. Act. And I couldn't see how I had um, fallen foul of any of them because I hadn't said anything grossly offensive. I hadn't said anything indecent, obscene. I hadn't said anything that was not true and i knew it not to be true um and i was thinking and this is all misgendering and i said look you know i said this country we're having in the middle of a really important national conversation about what it means to be male and female about the whole trans issue and i've just been contributing to that you know and i said <laughs> as a catholic uh, this is my religious belief and this is protected under articles 9 and 10 of the european convention on human rights you know <laughs> of course, the police don't like it, do they? When you no. quote the law, back and like, at I them. don't think, you know, I mean, it sort of should be someone's right to say, I don't believe a trans woman's a real woman. 
Yeah, without, you, know, you know, it's like, I mean, I respect trans people, but my problem is when they start saying we're real women, and I'm saying, well, you're not a real woman. Then people come back with, well, what about women who have mastectomies and things like that? But that's a bit disrespectful to real women because they've had that for a, a purpose. Yeah, no, and it's 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 about what well, I mean. You don't have to have because you're right. You know, people say, well, what about women who are infertile? What about women who have uh, mastectomies? The thing is, what makes you a woman is being born of that into that sex class that means that you've got. Uh, you know a, a, a function well it doesn't even matter if your reproduction reproductive system doesn't work but it means that you're born into that class of people you know you, where you've you are of the female sex um so you know and you're going to develop uh, secondary sexual characteristics and, uh, you know the dictionary definition is you know to belong to that class of um of humans whereby you've got a female reproductive system that can be fertilized uh by sort of male gametes now it doesn't mm -hmm. matter on an individual level whether or not something works or doesn't work you know this is actually on, on a macro rather than a micro level and um you know even into you know and then people say well what about intersex or well, intersex is where you know it sounds a bit harsh but the fact is intersex is a birth defect and an intersex person you know no two intersex conditions present identically and they really hate uh, being utilized in this debate because actually most intersex people do want to be of one sex or another and, and it's a matter of individual choice like when the um, born doesn't intersex sorry to cut you off when am you born doesn't intersex mainly swing from one side to the right so we might it'd be more or less more male than female yeah very often very often or but vice but not, versa but not always and and now the thing it's really interesting because the thinking and i think this is right the thinking with intersex uh children is actually not to do anything don't operate do nothing leave it until they're adults and they can then you know have the autonomy to, to choose what they want to do whereas you know years ago the thinking was okay let's try and you know cut bits off and what have you and let's try and make it resemble you know one particular sex mm. whereas now I, I mean i was reading a really interesting one the other day about a, a woman uh and you know she was she was intersex and she never realized um, and as a child, she had an operation, you know, to remove uh, her testicles, which was sort of still inside her body. And her parents never told her what, what was going on. And then later on, she discovered that she was infertile. And, and you know, and all of this medical history uh, came out. And she said she, you know, she probably wouldn't change the fact that she's a woman, but she still feels like something was taken from her and that something was lost because she wasn't consulted. And yet, you know, with children, we're saying, well, you know, you feel like you're a boy. Let's go ahead and do all this radical yeah. stuff. You know, there's a real. So, um, yeah, no, back to the police. So, you know, I, I had just been told that I had misgendered nothing more. Uh, and I was going to be interviewed. And I and then, you know, I mean, it was really, really scary, actually, really scary because. They then said, well, you'll need a solicitor. You need a solicitor. Let me book you in a duty solicitor. And I thought, no, I don't. I don't want a duty solicitor. Actually, I would rather have my own solicitor rather than someone who's tied to the police station, who's going to force me to accept a, a caution and isn't really going to fight it and is just going to want it over and done with. So I said, no, no, no. I'll, I'll have my own solicitor. And she said, no, no, no. Let me book your duty solicitor. Let me book your duty solicitor. And I said, no, I, I just don't want any. You know. And she said, 
let me warn you that if you do not turn up for interview, um, then uh, you know a summons could be issued and a warrant for your arrest. <laughs> You'll be arrested. <laughs> and I was thinking, all I've said is I don't want a duty solicitor. I haven't said I'm not going to turn up. You know, I think this is outrageous. I think you know, but there was no kind of indication that I wasn't going to turn up. Um, and I just I put the phone down. Uh, and I actually said to her, I used some of her own language back at her. I, I said, I have to tell you that I feel that you're harassing me. I said, oh, you're being used to harass me, actually. Um, this is this is kind of like a private vendetta. And I said, I'm actually feeling quite alarmed and distressed. And that made her back off a bit. And she said, oh, OK, well, I'm next on duty on this time. So, you know, phone me up and let me know your sister's details. No. <laughs> um, at, at which point... Uh, I, I had some work to do and then I went onto Twitter and I said I can't actually believe this has happened I'm being called in I'm being called in for a police interview because I've misgendered somebody's child and of course then it went absolutely uh, stratospheric and it hit all the media picked it up and it was on the front pages of all the newspapers which as a journalist is a complete nightmare because you just never want to be the story no true um, <laughs> so um and then Susie Green looked really bad. I mean, it looked really bad for her, you know. That you know, and all the all the media were on my side because you, you know this is a journalist giving an opinion, and she's being prosecuted for you know for free speech. So Susie Green, I then got a call from the Victoria Derbyshire show on the Wednesday, and I had spoken to the Daily Mail, and I, I had said I was going to speak to them anyway, so I wasn't in the mood to do any more media, but I couldn't anyway, because at this point, I, I didn't know what was happening, you know, I'm still under investigation by the police. Susie Green then goes on to Victoria Derbyshire live, and she reveals all those tweets that I've sent her. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I was really amused. I thought, excellent, let's get it out there. Let's get what I said about your child out in the public domain. Let people judge it for themselves. Let people think, hang on, was she right to say that this child was castrated? Was she right to use the word mutilation? Um, was she right to talk about this child being sterilised? I thought, excellent, let's, let's have a public conversation about this. Um, and uh, eventually, because of the outcry, then um, Susie Green dropped the charges. <laughs> um, and, you know, in some ways, that was great. In, in some ways, I, I almost think it's a shame she didn't, because I'd like to fight for, to fought it in court, and, you know, shown her up. But my, um, my solicitor said, to be honest with you, it wouldn't even get past district court. It would just be chucked out, you yeah. know. Um, but it just, I mean, it's chilling it's it's chilling what's going on um and and it was you know doubly and it was only because i was a journalist that i had enough traction to 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 cause a bit of a stir about this and it got yeah. dropped you know if i was a normal member of the public you know and this is this is what susie green and these these activists are doing they're going after normal members of the public and there's you know a much wider issue in that the police seem to have been uh, institutionalised by Susie Green's Mermaids group. So you've got normal members of the public being phoned up by the police over their tweets. And, you know, when Britain is in the middle of a crime epidemic, knife epidemic, and you've got people being told, well, you haven't done anything wrong, but I need to warn you that, that your tweets are offensive. I need to check your thinking. And yeah, and that and that's the sinister aspect of it. I think it. that's the most scariest part uh, of it all is 
the free speech aspect. Mm. Like mm. clamping down, it's some like the it's like the thought police. Yeah, no, that you is. You can't precise. say this. You can't. I mean, you said nothing racial. You said nothing to um, incite violence. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. said your opinion, which is backed up by like your religion. Yeah, yeah. As, as, as well, which I mean, no disrespect, but that wouldn't matter anyway because your opinion would be, I still think this or that or the other. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and I only pulled the religion card really because I, you know, I, I know it's beliefs are protected under you know the European Convention on Human Rights, human rights, but actually a belief doesn't necessarily have to be a religious belief. But you know the whole thing about transgenderism and you know are you really a man are you really a woman well actually um that's based in science in fact and evidence is you know you don't necessarily have to have a religious belief to to to, you know to to hold it i've started to say original woman or original man instead of real (laughs) like as it was born i mean Going back to that, the Times last Monday did an interesting article. It was front page, then they had a two-page spread in like the middle. I'm not sure. I'm sure you read it, didn't you? Did you put it on your Twitter? Yeah, I did. And I it, did. I've, I've just highlighted some bits. Um, the front page is... The youngest person to go in these things was um, three years old. Yeah, I know. And, and that is just absolutely crazy, because how many three-year-olds... Uh, you, I mean, well... I don't know where to start with that, really, because, you know, I know three-year-olds are still learning to speak. They're still learning to... They're still trying to understand what it means to be a boy and what it means to be a girl, you know. Well, some 16-year-olds um, obviously are, and were. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, and it, it just shows how messed up this is, because any clinician worth their soul, anybody who knows anything about child psychology or development, will know that a three-year-old cannot know and cannot say that they've got gender dysphoria. You know, I mean, I had... My eldest is 15 now. She went through a period of about eight months deciding she was a dog. Um, (laughs) We just laughed and we indulged it. But a three-year-old is just learning about them and their place in the world and who they are and, you know, that boys have willies and (laughs) girls don't. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's really pathologizing children. And, you know, what it is so much of it going on, I think, a lot of it is parents trying to show that they're with it and trendy and, you know, I think there's a bit of Munchausen's by proxy going on, if I'm well, honest. Well, it's the cool thing to do now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, to yeah, have a trans child. My child is trans. But, I mean, you think the clinicians, what on earth? Well, it's insanity. It's well, insanity. Five, well, five clinicians resigned. Then, like, didn't they? They, um, like, quit this, um, mm-hmm. this um, place for the NHS because, um, like, they thought the, like, parents were just pushing... And then, right. and then you've got mermaids are always saying this is a matter of life and death. Would you rather have a, a live boy or a dead girl? And like, yeah, that's you know, that's a quote. Yeah, no, that's right. Well, well, there's a lo- load of things going on. So there's you know, there's two c- clinics. You know, there's a Tavistock, and there's also the gender identity. Um, oh, Jerez, they're called. But yeah, the official clinic. And and I've heard, I know unofficially that there are some more insiders in there that are thinking of quitting. Uh, and they're saying this is all politicised. You know, five years ago they had like 90 children, and now it's something like 2,000. And, and there's this sort of social contagion going on, you know, and it's become a bit of a cult. You know, they watched YouTube, um, you know, and, and 
girls in particular are very uncomfortable about puberty. I mean, I, I can name lots of children that if you were to say, look, here's a pill and it will stop puberty from happening, they'd happily guzzle it because, you know, it's, it's a time well, of anxiety. And well, it's a lot... Yeah, sorry, go on. No, people don't... They, you know, particularly girls, they sort of are worried about it and they don't want their bodies to change. Um, but for, you know, it was interesting because in the Times last week, it was four articles, actually, and it, it was one, basically the same, at these clinics mermaids are writing the letters to parents and, and mermaids are, are telling parents what to say to get the hormones and the treatment yes. mermaids are the bullies from the article which i've got here which is where i've highlighted the trans trans transgender lobby groups are encouraging vulnerable young people and their families to push for medical intervention regardless of whether specialists agree it is best course of action according to according to clinicians who who have resigned in process from the NHS leading gender identity clinic. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly what's happening. And you know, I saw—I uh, was on my Twitter feed. I saw <laughs> mermaids have blocked me. <laughs> They've blocked me as well. <laughs> Funny that. Yeah. Um, there's a tweet from mermaids from yesterday, and it's a picture of a slide, and it talks about some of the comorbidities that come with gender dysphoria. And some of them are things like autism and ADHD. And what they've done is they've turned a sort of comorbidity. So very often, if you've got autism, for example, you're quite predisposed to gender dysphoria, particularly if you're a girl, because autism is a really rigid you know, way of thinking. And very often, girls with autism now one of my daughters got autism so i'm you know pretty well versed in, in it um very often girls with autism they actually want to fit in they want to be popular they want to be part of the group but they feel different they don't have the social skills they don't do you know what i mean they, they don't feel like everybody else and then along comes you know oh well actually you don't feel like the other girls perhaps you're a boy and they go oh Yes, well, perhaps, but, you know, that that's a kind of conclusion that can make sense to them. And then because, um, as you said, it's, for want of a better word, it's quite cool to be to be trans at the moment. You know, it's like this almost the in thing, mm. you know, and, and the cat, the trans kids get all the special treatments and, you know, and, and everyone's sort of like, oh, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's almost like a way for... for an autistic child to kind of get the approval uh, and, you know, be accepted and sort of be seen as special that they might, you know, be looking for. I was just about to say, I was listening to a podcast this week, uh, I, th I think it was Tuesday or something, and uh, the lady was saying it in, like, her experience that um, the majority are girls, but the majority of people that she comes in, she thinks that there's an underlying mm. aspect to it, which is autism. Because many autism people fixate on one interest yeah so no, if and if they fixate on something well it you know whether they might be gay or like something else but they'd like putting it as trans and then you've got these lobbyists like white mermaids doing things like would you rather have an alive boy or a dead girl which is yeah, just yeah. You know, that's not a very nice tactic, it's just a bullish tactic. Oh, it's, it's emotional bullying. And the, and the thing is as well, you know, there's a well-known link between autism and anorexia and eating mm. disorders. So it makes sense. But what Mermaid are doing is saying, oh, they're, they're actually turning autism into a symptom. So if your child is autistic, it's because they've got gender dis identity dysphoria. Yeah. Uh, and then they had a really weird thing on this slide, and it said symptoms of gender dysphoria and it's so autism I thought well autism is not a symptom of anything 
It also said, if your child experiences decreasing gender dysphoria, I was thinking, hang on, so if your child is experiencing increasing, decreasing gender dysphoria, it's a sign that they've still got it. You know, just like, how, how does that make sense? And, and it, it seems to be um, all about the pushing this, this, this one um, narrative. And, 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 and you can't help but think it's almost, you know, it's like a lobby group trying to justify their own existence and, mm. you know, get funds in from other people. Um, and and the, one of the disturbing things about the Times report, which very few people picked up on, I think only, well, the lesbians picked up on this, lesbian uh, lobby and some, of the, some, some gay men did, which is really important. You know, I'm often accused of being homophobic and I'm genu- genuinely not. It's that lots of children who present as trans are actually gay or lesbian i was just going to say that i've got that bit highlighted so many yeah. potential gay children were being sent down the pathway to change gender and they've also it's somewhere else in this um, article there is i think there was a dark joke in the travis scott clinic where there'll be no gay people left soon yeah that's right because people you know and, and this is this is really particularly common you know with, with the lesbians as well but you know, uh, chances are, apparently, if you're if you've got a child who does exhibit traits which are often more associated with the opposite sex, then you know very often it's a signal that that child probably will be same sex attracted. Um, but you know, you well, I, I, it's just staggering, isn't it? That there's so much kind of this is real homophobia and you know homophobic bullying that a child feels that it's easier to be trans than it is to be gay or lesbian yeah. i mean that you know let the child be gay or lesbian for goodness sake you know we know that conversion therapy is wrong we know that you know your sexuality isn't necessarily free, freely chosen um and although I have particular, you know, religious beliefs, I don't try and impose them on other people or tell them what they should do with their sex lives. You know, you, we all have free will. We can all choose to do what we want to do. But so actually, you know, you've got a gay or lesbian child and, you know, they're saying, oh, actually, I'm trans. Because, you know, by being trans, it sort of makes them straight. I mean, that's just horrific. Yeah, and Absolutely. Also, yeah, and also you've got the lobbyists as well. Again, revert back to the Times. Um where they like would sit in like the waiting room and if like sort of like sort of the lobbyists didn't get their own way they would write letters and within three hours they'd be put on puberty blockers yeah so like you've got people at the age of three i mean come on i mean i sort of can remember wanting to play with dolls when i was younger it doesn't mean i wanted to be trans no, 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 no. It's um, and well, of course, three-year-olds wouldn't be put on on uh, puberty blockers. But what happens with these young kids? And I think it's pretty much what happened with Susie Green's child, if I'm honest. Uh, you know, anyone who knows anything about ch- children knows that they're very susceptible and very suggestible. And so, you know, and this is why you have to be very careful with them. And it's very easy to put ideas into their into their heads um you know manipulation yeah and and as a catholic mum i'm really careful you know i've got very strong religious beliefs but i'm really careful to say to all my children you must always question this you know this is what mummy believes this is what mummy believes but you know certainly as with my eldest daughter she's got older it's like well this is what i believe but you must decide if you believe it too and why well there's a lack of critical thinking going about isn't there 
Yeah, you know, because right, if you have critical thinking, you'll like get bullied like you are. You'll either be called racist, homophobic, transphobic, or if you don't mm. listen to us or you don't have the same opinion of us, we will get you deplatformed, banned, or barred. Yeah. And I think that's what mermaids are doing, and Susie Green might be using her son for a an ulterior motive to push her own like agenda. And I think, well, I think that the, the awful thing is, is that if from the age of four you have been told that you're in the wrong body, that you're really a boy or you're really a girl, you know, and, and her, her narrative, when you trace back her narrative over the years, because she's done so much media, so many magazine pieces, so many documentaries, I mean, that butterfly ITV drama was all about her. And or it was, based, yeah. it was based on, on, on their lives. And in her initial interviews, she talked about how she worried when her son was playing with dolls and girls' clothes and how her husband didn't like it and how it was a real problem and how she felt other people were looking at her and what have you. And and so it seems to be that, you know, this child has been conditioned and told off for playing with the wrong things. And, you know, you tell a four-year-old that they're in the wrong body and that actually they're really a girl, they're going to believe it. Well, they're like then, sponges at that age, aren't they? They absorb everything. And then, you know, the, the child, when it went to... Jack, when he... Well, it's Jackie now, I'll be polite. But when, when they went to the secondary school, you know, had terrible bullying and suicide attempts and, you know, really suffered and struggled in a really severe way with their mental health. And I'm thinking, well, that's not surprising really because you know they're kind of going through puberty they're being led to believe they're in the wrong body they're being kind of pumped with puberty blockers you know i mean gosh puberty is hard enough without all of that going and on especially and, when and you're girl because well I'm, because i'm guessing girls are a lot more complicated than boys in puberty <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i don't know i couldn't i couldn't say but then you know the in, now when you look at jackie they don't even live in the UK. They live abroad. They stay out of the spotlight. They don't really give many interviews. And yet their mum is still using them all the time in, in their advocacy. And it almost feels, I think many observers have said, that I think Susie feels the need, because she did something so drastic to her child, uh, you know, that she actually feels the need to validate her decision and so by having lots of other trans kids and being this champion of it it kind of gives her life meaning and purpose but actually when you look at this dispassionately and look at the decisions that she took and she may have you know i'm not saying that she didn't take them in good faith uh, you know I'm, I'm not trying to claim that she was trying to make a business out of it then but i think since then she's just it just seems to have gone about validating using her own child to sort of validate that path for others and also to validate her own decisions, which many people think is, is really extreme. I mean, not even Jazz Jennings had that operation so young. No, true. So, um, but yeah, no, and it is, it is really disturbing because, you know, people are just, there's so much bullying going on and, and the bullying is not coming from people like me. It's not coming, you know, yes, I'll, I might say, uh, you know, a woman doesn't have a penis, but, you know, that's not bullying. Women don't have to... penises, though. That's some sort, well, of, sort of one of the main differences. <laughs> I mean, I can remember it's sex education. I mean, I'm 40 now, so I did sex education when I was 15. And you had a man and a woman and, you know, one has a vagina, one has a penis. And that was the main differences. 
yeah, between a man and a woman. Yeah, and now they're saying, and you know, this is this, <laughs> and and you know, the, the the strange thing is about all of this is that um, about apparently around ninety percent of of women who say that they're transgender um, keep their penises. That's crazy. You know, if you if you if you go on to um, if you go on to Fair Play for Women's website, um, I think just type in Fair Play for Women. They've got all the stats there. But but you know, most people who are identifying as transgender have still got their male genitalia, and yet they're wanting to go into women's changing rooms and you know women's intimate areas you know, women's domestic violence shelters, prisons, you know, all the services that have always, and by law, you know, are sex segregated. And there's a lot of willful misunderstanding of the law. So actually, by law, you are allowed to have sex segregated um, facilities if the reason is proportionate. Lots of people try and say, well, being trans is a protected characteristic. Yes, it is, but so too is biological sex. And so you are allowed, you know, in certain circumstances like toilets, changing rooms, prisons, all those all those things that have, have always traditionally had separate provision for women, they are still allowed. But you've got people saying, well, you know, it doesn't matter that I've still got a penis. I ought to be allowed to change with you guys. <laughs> and, that's, and that's the problem with self-identification. Like, I could wake up tomorrow and think, I mean, I I mean, I am straight and I am a man and I'm not non-binary, but I could wake up tomorrow and say, well, I'm going to identify as Rachel today. And mm, I'm going to mm. go to use the male's, uh, sorry, the female's toilet. And then the mm. next day I'll be back a man. And I think that's ridiculous. Yeah, I, yeah, you know. But that's just my personal point. But I think these lobbyist groups are pushing a certain agenda, and I don't know what it is. But if they hear something they don't like, they'll clamp down on it because no one's allowed a different opinion until then. Yeah, well, it, I, th- I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things going on, Rick. It's 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 difficult to say, really. I think a lot of it is um, being driven by Stonewall, and it's because you know, gay rights. We have full they have full equality now there's 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 full equality you know there's gay marriage that there is you know there is no stonewall traditionally existed to advance the cause of gay rights now there is not a single right that uh, a straight person has that a gay person doesn't enjoy There, there is nothing and so Stonewall needs to uh, justify their existence so one of the ways in which they're doing this is to say well that you know homophobia is still a problem Homophobia is still a massive problem, and they kind of invent these things in schools, you know. So if if kids are being kids and are being a bit stupid, and one says to the other, "Oh, your trainers are really gay," you know, that's homophobic bullying, regardless of whether or not you think that that's appropriate language to use. You know, a twelve-year-old saying to another twelve-year-old, "Your trainers are really gay," is not homophobic bullying. Actually, it's no. just it's just kind of playground banter. Of course, it is. But, you know, what Stonewall are doing is trying to kind of log all these, you know, homophobic and transphobic incidents to kind of justify their existence and say, this is why we need specialist training in schools. And, you know, this is why we need to write it and we need to send people into schools so that, you know, everyone's completely wonderful and, you know, everyone's OK with, with all our beliefs. But, but the fact is, um, you know, there are many people and I'm probably one of them and I get painted as a hater um and and you know and i guess people of of, of all faiths and none agree right you know i don't really care 
if somebody is gay. I really don't care. What you do in your bedroom is, is your business and not mine, and I'm not actually very interested. But what this lobby seems to be about doing is saying tolerance is not enough. Someone like me tolerating other people and saying what you do is up to you, I just don't really want to know about it, that's not okay, that's homophobia. All of us should kind of validate and celebrate everybody else's personal choices. Um, and, and, you know, and, and this is where it's getting authoritarian, because why should I approve? If so, you know, why do you need me to approve of your sex life? Why, why do you need me to kind of say to children, well, actually, it's, it's really wonderful what, what gay people do in bed together? You know, <laughs> hmm. I, I don't care. But I shouldn't be forced to go, yeah, let's really celebrate something, particularly if it goes against, like, my own faith beliefs. Now, you know, I... You are allowed your own opinion, and, like, you shouldn't be shot down for having your own opinion. No, and, and, um, you know, and I'm really careful in that, you know, I'm... With my kids, we don't really talk about these subjects that much, but, you know, we are quite, you know, I'm very, you know, people make different choices to you, and that's fine, you know, you might not agree with them but you know everybody has to be allowed to make their own choices in life and you know you should never judge somebody or be really nasty to somebody because they are different to you you know and that's basic human respect isn't it yeah definitely but a lot of this lobby is just trying to claim homophobia uh where it doesn't exist and now of course with the trans lobby you know they've got a whole new cause that they can promote you know trans children and trans people don't have enough rights and it's all about um promoting their own sort of institutional juggernaut and you know we've got to train the nhs and we've got to train the police force and we've got to train we've got people to go into in primary schools and explain self-identification and that's one thing i don't agree in that self-identification thing i think that's a dangerous path to go down now what i'm like no. people are doing and, and it's you know when you when you talk to uh, what I would call old school transsexuals, and there's quite a few of them about, you know they are finding because I think most of us would take the view that what you choose to do as an adult is up to you, and if you have been through sex reassignment surgery, it's a pretty grueling and painful process, and you know you should not be treated very you know you shouldn't be treated badly or discriminated against or lose your job or your housing or anything else because you've gone through that you know no no sensible reasonable person wants that to happen um but most because this new extreme lobby is is coming in and and forcing everybody you know to to think the same and to say you know women can have penises etc it's actually uh, decreasing tolerance for those individuals who are just trying to live their lives normally and quietly and under the radar and, and many of these transsexuals will also tell you that what they have been through was so grueling that they believe that there should be proper gatekeeping that you can't just go online and you know, change your identification. Actually, you need to have proper proper medical and legal gatekeeping. You need mm. to have someone saying, is this the right decision for you? Rather than just, well, I've decided this is who I am. Because it, it's safeguarding. And, you know, on the NHS, for example, um, if you were to... Have you got kids? No. Right, if you were to go it's your gp tomorrow here's a challenge actually no don't do this because they might take you seriously but if you were to go to your gp tomorrow and say doctor i've decided i don't want any children i want a vasectomy they wouldn't give you one they they wouldn't you know they would they would make you have 
counselling and they wouldn't just go right okay Rick let's book you in tomorrow let's send you off to here you know and the same with a woman with a woman if a woman goes in and she's under 40 and she wants sterilizing and she hasn't got kids they won't do it because they realize that people could change their mind and you know situations change etc etc and yet um you know the, the NHS are so reticent about sterilizing people and yet we're saying oh yeah you know I'm, I'm actually a man <laughs> I'm a woman you know I'm in the wrong body and, and and doctors are just being expected to go along with that and 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 the whole the thing that does my head in as well is changing people's birth certificates mm. I mean that's just like tampering with history because a birth certificate is a matter of historical record you know this person was bought on was born on this date and you know here's all the information about them now they might later want to um get some official recognition that they're no longer this sex but they're the other sex that's fine but you don't need to change your birth certificate no you know um it, it just seems to be kind of manipulating rewriting reality and also there's a lot of statistical research and analysis done, you know, by the birth rates and, you know, planning for health provision and so on and so forth. So when you start trying to change, this, you know, actual data, you're really into into dangerous territory. So it is, it's like the Ministry of Truth, you know, you weren't born a boy, you were really born a girl. Like, no, well, that's not true, is it? You know, um, so I, I think we've just gone down this really mad rabbit hole. Definitely, yes. And like, as I say, the likes of, with them like that, the doctors, and if the doctors question it, they'll get pressure from like groups like Mermaids and um, Stonewall, and also the self-identification where you could just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to be a woman, I'm going to use the changing rooms, vice versa. Um, one thing I did want to ask you about is what backlash have like you had, and as your family mm. had, from these tweets? Because I follow you, you follow me, and I've, some of it's really, really... I mean, I, and, and I read one today where uh, he can't, this person can't wait to desiccate your grave. Yeah, that's right. That's that, really I mean, upsetting and disturbing. Yeah, well, one of the things that has got me in all of this is that... So when the police uh, called, you know, called me in for interview, I had had this man, I've had this obsessive stalker man on my case for about six months. And he, he first uh, got on my case because he didn't agree with my point of view over... Do you remember there was a very sick toddler, Alfie Evans, um, up, up in Older Hay Hospital in Liverpool? And, right, and, yeah. Yeah, and I was, I was doing some advocacy for his parents, and he really didn't agree with me on that, and he began trolling me. And in October, he took his trolling to my blog, to my blog, to his blog, and he wrote this entire blog about me and it was really disturbing it was you know sexual insults violent insults he doxxed my ex you know so he outed all the details about my ex uh he published pictures of my children he put identifying details about my children where they go to school um he posted photographs showing that he was only a couple of minutes walk away from our house at one point he talked about disfiguring my face with acid i mean it was really you know I can't even tell you some of the stuff he was saying. It was far, far worse than anything I'd ever said about Susie Green's child. I mean, that's and threats of violence. Did yeah, yeah. you take that to the police? Yeah, and the police did nothing. The police knew about it in October, and they didn't interview him under caution until January. But that is a criminal offence to die, yeah, do that. Yeah, and, and he said, oh, it's not just me. It's a group of 8 to 15 of us. And they said, oh, right, OK, fine. 
um, in order to really tie him, and we know who it is that was doing it, in order to tie him to the the website, they would have had to have done the IT forensics, and they, they just weren't motivated to do that. And I was thinking, well, hang on, they, they've thrown another woman in prison and seized her computer and uh, phone because she misgendered a trans activist and, and revealed that they had a criminal past, which I think is quite important. If you're going to change your identity and say, I'm no longer this person, but that, and you've actually got a violent criminal past, then people have a right to know. Oh, definitely, yeah, of course. And um, so, so they've expanded all these resources into misgendering. But so, no, they had done... Um, you know, they, they did nothing. And so basically all these trans activists appear to have joined forces with this abusive stalker. And it's been nonstop. You know, I've had my children signed up to porn sites. I've had my children signed up to trans teen sites. Um, I've had, uh, last weekend we were getting eight deliveries of takeaway a day. Uh, I think I it wouldn't be so bad if there were free, I suppose, the takeaway. Yeah, yeah, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's cash on delivery. Oh. Um, I had three takeaways delivered in my, one in my husband's name, two in my children's names yesterday. Um, I've been signed up for porn sites, dating sites. Um, I've had um, cartoons written about me. I've had... Um, you know, my 78-year-old dad was targeted. I've had letters. They've arranged for letters to be sent to me from abroad. Someone uh, made a video saying, I hope you get raped by the gay you hate. Uh, I am constantly just uh, stalked, really, on, on social media, on Twitter. People are obsessed with me. I mean, it's quite frightening that, that people can have such an unhealthy obsession. I had something like um, over 100 Argos orders because they got hold of my email address. I was, yeah, I, I was following that last like week about um, yeah. like all your reservations for your TVs and that. Mm, mm. So you know, my people have said they've got my PayPal address and um, they've applied for credit cards in my name. Uh, I mean, it's it's been really really scary. And, and the worst was um, somebody went to the NSPCC website and put in a false report of uh, child sex abuse against my husband's uh, mm. in my name. So the police then turned up at my house to do a welfare check, which I understand they had to do on my children because of this report to the NSPCC that he had been sexually abusing them and assaulting me. And, of course, the police came and they saw that everything was fine. And, you know, uh, and I, I showed them my email and I said, look, look at all this that I'm getting, you know, look at all this spam and they, they could see and they could also see um, I've got to be careful what I say but the technical they could see the technical details between addresses that they had been given uh, and you know, somebody had made a, a couple of technical errors in, in, in things so they could see really that it was a false report and I said to the policeman who came around, look, can I just file all this harassment that's been going on, look this, this is crazy, and, you know, you, you've never done anything about this. He said, oh, you'll have to call 101 and make a separate report. <laughs> so last, sun, last Sunday, I rang up 101, and I said, look, this is crazy. You know, I'm getting pizza deliveries at all hours. I'm getting spam in my email. I've even had you come around my house because of a false report of child abuse. Um, and as yet, I've had no officer assigned to the case. Um, I've, nobody's got back to me. And yet the harassment is still continuing. And, and at one point, um, I had an officer say to me, well, have you been discussing trans issues on the internet? <laughs> it's like, 
that should have nothing to do with it. It's almost it's almost like you know saying to a woman who's raped, "Where are you wearing a short skirt?" You know. Yeah. Real um, and 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 these people are just determined, determined to shut down my Twitter account and determined to silence me. Absolutely determined. I mean, it, it I, which makes me think, wow, I must be saying something worthwhile if you're really that bothered. I mean, there's two points to this. One is very very childish. What like you know like they're doing sending pizzas to someone's ass. I mean, they're not 12 no more. And the most disturbing <laughs> aspect of it is um, you're getting threatened with acid in your face. The police aren't yeah. interested, but you say something like, well, I don't think he's a man, he's a boy, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And they swoop yeah. on you and they say, you are going to come in for a voluntary interview. Well, I say voluntary. It's not voluntary. It's either you go for it or like they'll put a warrant out for you arrest. And I find it odd in this day and age with like knife crime acid attacks the more interested than a form of freedom of speech than a threat of violence against you and your family yeah no i know and i think it's it's partly because um the police are always interested in low-hanging fruit aren't they so it's easier for them and to get their hate crime stats up and everything to say uh, you know and someone made a really interesting point the other day which i think is right that year about 50 years ago when unfortunately homosexuality was illegal um the police were always swooping on kind of you know gays having sort of illicit liaisons in the toilets or wherever and again that was because it was low-hanging fruit for them it was easier for them to go after this and public decency than it was to go for the hard stuff and i think the same is true of today you know we've come sort of 180 degrees so now they're going after the people who uh you know say things that they don't agree with Um, but but it's much of the same it's the same point they're going after the easy the easy hanging fruit so you know just as they shouldn't have been going after people you know doing what they want in their private life now they're going after people who are just exercising their rights to free speech but but you know it's staggering this this man you know was saying oh i wouldn't bother um out of the blue he said oh your face is ugly enough already without disfiguring it with acid and i was thinking what where's you know where's that come from and that you know He's made all these sexual threats. He made threats to contact my ex-husband. Uh, he wanted. He was saying, "How many men have you had up there, Pharaoh?" You know, it was really quite graphic and disturbing. I mean, bear in mind these are all grown people, grown grown-up people, adults, mm. and, and mm-hmm. like they're acting like thirteen-year-olds. But actually, it wasn't fine. Yeah, and another thing they did was they got my husband's mobile and they put my husband on on Grinder, is it or Grinder, whatever you call it, mm. the gay dating sites. And my husband had to change his number. But actually, cause, because one of the things I haven't said, my husband is a, is a priest, so we have to always answer the door when people come to the door because very often it's people in need. And so, you know, actually it's making us not want to answer the door because it's, you know, like the eighth pizza or whatever or the eighth takeaway. It's actually beginning to really impact on us and our family and our, our ability to do our job. And it's supposed to. What they're trying to do, so they've been going after my husband a lot, because they want to frighten me because they want to close me down and they want Mm. to say well look if you carry on speaking as you do then we're going to make it impossible for you for you to live well that that means they're taking away your freedom of speech but it's okay for them to do that and they're doing it in the most atrocious way yeah yeah. and it's detrimental to all the people who will come in maybe to knock on your door because they need adrenaline help and advice so really do a disservice to others just to make themselves feel big by bullying you which you know it's just a bullying tactic 
Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm just looking, you know, today someone said to me, can I say rude language? Of course you can. He said, lady, we will never get tired of shitting on snakes like you. You can go eat my girl dick, you worthless sack of shit. I'll enjoy desecrating your grave in uh, 20 years' time. Oh, is that that? Um, yeah. What's his, he's got a little black thing, hasn't he? He's got about seven yeah. followers or something. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I did have a look uh-huh. at his profile. It's just, I mean, it's just utter, utter insanity. Uh, you know, and this this guy on his website was writing, you know, you're just a Catholic slut sat there in your cum-stained knickers. And, and it's just like, whoa, you know, how's that not malicious communications? And, you know, you need to slip your knickers down and bend over and get, you know, your husband to insert a very large pole, not his. You know, <laughs> and this seems to go unchecked. And, you know, and he was, he was posting pictures of dildos and stuff that he said I needed. When all of this goes unchecked, and yet, you know, I I misgender or say slightly harsh language, and it's like, well, you know, that's malicious communications. And, you know, and this guy is obviously, and these people are obviously really trying to upset me. And, and, you know, and that is against malicious communications when you're trying to cause annoyance or upset or whatever. And, And yet the police just don't seem to care. And I wonder whether or not they were not investigating it because... At the same time as I was reporting all of this, obviously they were investigating me for Susie Green. Well, they want to look good, don't they? A, it's mm. a, like an easy statistic for come and get someone, oh, look, we've got another one for misgendering. But it's also going to look bad for them if they go with you and against them. Because then people yeah. like Susie Green, that, that obviously she sounds a bit of a narcissist, will make herself look good and feel better. For herself. Oh, look, I've got another, you know, got another transphobia. Mm, mm. So. And, and and of course it then kind of adds authority to them because by getting me arrested or getting me charged they then go this is terrible this is an example of the transphobia we have to cope with in our society you know and look the law agrees with me you're not allowed and what they're trying to do is they're trying to get some kind of test case through where somebody is prosecuted for transphobia to then make it you know that will then set a precedent that if you if you misgender then it will become a criminal offence definitely and that's just another part of like free speech taken away and that's one reason why I've set this podcast up because it's a free speech platform like as I said to be you before we like got on air or on mic um, I've had two trans girls on this mm. whole like all like already brilliant people but I do find it strange that if someone's got a different opinion to others they can say, ah, I'm going to get you done for that. I don't like what you say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not just from this, there's a lot of people now being deplatformed and being taken away. So mm. I just don't think it's mm. very good on like either side. But hopefully you'll get there with the police and thanks for coming on and everything. And like yeah, telling no your problem. story. Um, so, yeah, I will send you the link and you can share it on your Twitter feed. Uh, like and follow Timbiscuit Podcast. And... Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no worries. No, no th- worries. Thank you. Bye bye. Thanks, Rick. Bye. All right, bye. Bye. The Tim Biscuit Podcast.